LMS Nation. Here we are with our episode three of LMS Nation podcast, and we are in our third session talking about reading today once again with Mrs. Plunkett, our seventh grade Draco language arts teacher, and our literacy coach for the building. So we're excited to have her here, and today's topic in our reading series series is read alouds. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit about why we do read alouds, how they work here at the middle school, the benefits of them, how you can use them a little bit at home. So Mrs. Plunkett, take it away. Let's talk about read alouds. Hi, and thank you so much for having me again. And I'm definitely excited to talk about this topic. It is one of my favorites. Um, So actually, I think I'll start with my own experience for anyone who does not know. I started teaching at the high school level and I had never heard of the read aloud practice and did not know of the benefits that, you know, it can bring for even high school students. So when I first heard of Jim Trelease, who wrote the read aloud handbook, which now, as I understand it, is a, a staple in a lot of education programs, I was really amazed at the idea that I could set aside time to read to my juniors and my seniors and that it could be a way that I would engage them, that I would increase their comprehension and fluency and vocabulary. And as I did more research, uh, which I I also want to mention, my other favorite book is titled In Defense of the Read Aloud by Stephen Lane. As I did more research, I realized that too many times our secondary students have not been read to since elementary school. And I, I think of, you know, especially our reluctant readers or our struggling readers, if they haven't been read to since elementary school, uh, you know, there's a, a world of a variety of vocabulary that they might not have been introduced to, words that they don't know how to pronounce. And I know at least in my own practice in my first years as a high school teacher too often, you know, I. I would hand the kids a book just like my teachers did for me and just expect all of my students to read X amount of chapters by the time I see you next. And it never really occurred to me that so many of my students could be struggling with vocabulary, would get frustrated, um, might not know or, or couldn't imagine how the characters were talking to each other. And, you know, especially in high school, like I think of Huckleberry Finn, you've got a challenging dialect and it's so much more interesting to listen to that and, and to hear how the characters are talking. Um, so, you know, even with an assigned novel, I think that it's important to to take a moment to, to read aloud at least a passage together. Well, it, it's the same thing when you send an email. You don't necessarily know tone mm-hmm. yes. in the email and the written word. And so um, I think when you hear it, and you have someone who's actually reading it, who's like an actor usually when you listen to these yes. audible readings. And even as a teacher, as an English teacher, I'm sure that you bring that character to oh, life yes. as you're reading it. So that helps engage the reader um, in the story when you hear that tone and that excitement and, mm-hmm. you know, you're setting the setting for yeah, the, you know, you're, for the you're book. setting up the reading like you yeah. just said. Um, so overall, I think maybe the most important thing to know and remember right away is that All the studies, you know, the research shows that reading out loud to your students at any age, any grade level, it will increase engagement and interest. It does increase comprehension. It will improve student fluency. 
So that means it's going to improve their understanding of syntax, how one puts together sentences. It's going to improve their their ability to recognize cadence, you know, the, the in inflection and everything you just said, and vocabulary. And I think that's a, a big that's one. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. vocabulary one. is huge. Just b- being able to pronounce words mm-hmm. correctly um, helps you have a better meaning for the word. Yeah. And you know what it, how it actually is supposed to sound. Yep. Um, so let's talk about what we do here at the middle school um, with our read-alouds. And we have recently, I, I would say in the last three to four Definitely years now. at least three. Yeah, maybe four. Yeah, we've, mm-hmm. we started doing the global read-alouds. And we actually, in the last two years, made the global read-aloud our family book night yes. book. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you explain a little bit about that process of what is the global read-aloud, mm-hmm. um, how we use it here at the middle school. Yes. So the Global Read Aloud began in 2010. It was created by an educator and literacy guru who lives in Wisconsin, Pernille Ripp. She's amazing. If you're interested, definitely look her up on Instagram and Twitter. She's constantly sharing, and her blog, she's constantly sharing such valuable resources. But she had this idea, wouldn't it be great if I could connect my students with other students, not not just within my community, but beyond the community and with the world. And I I will say she has a big focus on social justice. So I think that's a a driving force. Yeah. You know, especially when, I don't know, sometimes you get, you don't really think about, you know, this is how we feel in our community. This is what New Jersey is like. But what's happening, you know, in other states and and across our country and and how can we. In the world. Yeah, and in the world. (laughs) So she had this idea and she'll, if you hear her talk about it, she'll say, you know, this crazy idea. I didn't know who would participate. And, you know, I know this year over a million students um, or a million, you know, classrooms maybe were participating. And basically you can join a Facebook community, a Twitter community. There are hashtags all over the place. But you can join different networks to find partners. So, for example, when we first started, I joined the Facebook community, and I basically put out a post that said something like, uh, you know, my students and I are, are going to read, you know, the grade-level selection for this year. We're some great class in New Jersey. I'd love to connect with somebody. And I've connected with teachers and students from Canada, from Wisconsin, um, oh, and from Japan. That's my yeah, big one. I'm like, Japan. I really like working with the school in Japan. And this was my second year working with the same teachers from this school in Japan. And it's an international school. So a lot of the educators are actually from other places in the world too, which was really neat. And there's so many different ways you can do it. When we first started off, you know, you're so basically the teacher connects with the other educator. And we would do this via Skype and then eventually Google Hangouts. Um, I know that in the beginning people were connecting on Facebook and Edmodo too, and we would try to design a plan. So Pernille Rip basically puts out um, several different book ideas in around, I think like at the end of the school year and in the summer, and then teachers are invited to vote, and then that's how you end up with different selections across the grade levels. And then she creates a six-week reading schedule. So, you know, she's read all the books, and she basically decides from, you know, in week one, we're going to read from this point to this point. So you're all trying to adhere to this reading schedule so that you can participate in these different activities. So I know some classrooms, and we've done this here too, will do a mystery Skype. So when they first meet the other classroom, they're given hints about where these students are from, and they're Skyping or using Google Hangouts, and the students can take turns asking each other questions, and that's one fun way to learn about other students in, in another place. And then eventually you guys start to share your thoughts about the books. Some people do this via postcards 
some people do this via blogs. I found out quickly my first couple of years that even though the Skyping and the Google Hangouts is very engaging, it's difficult when there's a time difference. And you know, it's diff difficult because your schools might have totally different schedules. So blogging worked really well and I have found that many times my quiet students are more I don't know, uh, open to sharing their thoughts online and then it creates this nice environment or a safe environment to share ideas back and forth and, and the kids can come back to those ideas as we progress through the novel. Why do you think um, Pernille Rip decided that it was a, a read aloud? I understand the global mm -hmm. piece of it because it's one book connecting pretty much the world. And as you said, some of these things are about social justice in the world. Mm -hmm. So we can really share ideas. So I understand the global piece of it. But is the read aloud, does she, was it purposeful that she wanted the teachers to be reading these al mm -hmm. aloud to their classes or reading to each other across? Mm -hmm. Like as you were talking about this Skype pages or Google Hangout, are you reading together the book and then you can have book discussions? That's a great question. So I've seen a few webinars with her and I've read her blog posts and if I remember correctly, uh, one reason why she did focus on the read aloud component is because as a seventh grade middle school teacher, she first and foremost believed in the power of reading aloud to students. So when she thought of this idea, I think it just became came or it was very organic for her very natural for her to think of it as this would be a good read aloud practice um also and I, I i think i remember this correctly but since you're trying to connect with these teachers and students from all around the world you have to be cognizant of the fact that we all have different curricula so the books that often get chosen um are books that i mean i think you can really make any book work across curricula but when you're reading it out loud it allows you to not interrupt your curriculum and lessons. Okay. Does All that right. make yeah. sense? So you're mm -hmm. still able to, because we might not have 600 copies yes. of this book yes. and to be able to mm -hmm. go and get 600 copies right. of this book. So it's easily accessible mm -hmm. because you, if you have, all we need is one copy of the book or we need um, it to be on Audible or something like that. But you just need one yeah. copy and then you can share it with all of your classes. Mm -hmm. So right there, you're sharing it with over 100 kids because you yeah. have one copy and you're mm -hmm. able to read that aloud. So maybe that was the accessibility to the books yeah. was easier I than saying so. to mm -hmm. school districts around the globe, mm -hmm. go buy all these books for your um, for your classrooms. Now, mm -hmm. I'm sure kids are buying them. Mm -hmm. um, and as we've done it with our family book night, we're asking, you know, parents are also mm -hmm. purchasing them. But what a cool thing we did this year was we actually had, you asked, um, the staff around the district, not even just in the middle school, to take a chapter and read. And so talk about that experience mm -hmm. for our kids and um, how you know, did, were they into it? How did they like it? And Yeah, so, and we did, at the end of the project, we did ask the students to complete a reflective survey, and the majority overall, it was a, we received a very positive response, and I mean, just when you survey your room, it, it was so obvious that the students got really excited about, you know, hearing and, and seeing their teachers from LIS, a, a couple of teachers from the elementary school, their librarians, and then they were really interested to meet new teachers. Like I said, we had teachers reading from this school in Japan, and, you know, the, the students really liked listening to people who had different accents, yeah. too. But it, I don't know, it just, I think they really enjoyed seeing these familiar faces, meeting new people, and, you know, even though I try my hardest, of course, to, to be engaging, there's... 
anything can get kind of repetitive or yeah. old after a while. So it's not just Mrs. Plunkett reading to them every day. I love it's that they. <laughs> I love that they requested that the um, health and PE staff yeah. would read to them they and started um, to make requests, which was cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then why don't you share a little bit? I know um, you broadcast this to the school, but you mm-hmm. shared. Um, Mr. Taglarino, when he came in yeah. and what he did and what Mr. Stamatellis did on his. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about some of the other types of things you can do mm-hmm. when you're doing these read-alouds and how you can bring in some other resources. Yeah, so, and remember too, this is happening across grade level, so you might have more flexibility in different places. But the other nice thing is I feel like it kind of forces you to, I'm, I'm going to use um that term inside the box like I know outside the box but when I say inside the box I mean within the confines of your schedule and in what you're working with in your school district it made me you know one point in this particular book our our character Isabel is strongly inclined to music and she she plays a oh gosh the trumpet yes so I don't know anything about clave. That was the rhythm that they were talking about at one point. And I said, well, let me reach out to Mr. Tag. And then in reaching out to Mr. Tag, I realized that there was this really great experience where he could either come into the classroom or we could record him and the the students could be introduced to him that way. And he actually came into the classroom and he did maybe a a five-minute lesson on clave rhythm and he had his instrument I forget what it was called um but then he had all the kids get into it and they you know clapped to beat out the rhythm and there were like two different kinds of clave you could do and it just really brought that moment to life for us and you know it enriched the experience and that's something I I, I think it inspires people to go real out in this way and in addition to that Mr. Tag was one of our readers and he incorporated photos and background noise so we were at the harbor he had like seagulls in the background and it was so impressive to see teachers who aren't your language arts teachers right because he's our music teacher yeah <laughs> as readers and he had different voices for all the characters I mean it was a it was a dramatic reading so that was the other thing that I and I think the students really enjoyed about it was the idea that these readers could bring something different every time they shared with us so, you know for example I think many of us use Screencastify, which is a program you can use to record either, you know, your face as you're reading or your screen. So some people were recording as they were reading, they had the text up on the screen so kids could read along with them. Uh, Mr. Samatellos, his reading was amazing. So not only was he enthusiastic and theatrical, but he actually zoomed in on, he used Google Earth to show us Aleppo, Syria, which I hadn't thought of. So that was so valuable for for everyone because then you know you're you're in it and you're you're seeing where Mahmoud grew up so again and and getting the music into uh I really liked um oh Miss Rivera you know our Spanish teacher mm-hmm. she was able to and and Miss Bob they were both able to pronounce the the Spanish words that you know were in the text in a well so that even we could learn from them and that's again the power of a read aloud is you can hear an expert reader fluently read and she read uh miss rivera i believe had pictures of cuba in the background yes she did so she actually so this was something else that was really i could cool. be wrong in the place sorry it, i apologize no, no, you were right. <laughs> havana cuba you oh, were right. right um but for some people, they might have sent me just the memo recording. So that was the other great thing. If you didn't, if you couldn't use Screencastify or if, you know, I don't know, you couldn't send the recording a certain way, maybe you were more comfortable using your phone. So yes, some people that's what just, I did yeah. when I did Joseph. <laughs> so some people just sent me the recording and it's actually really easy to just 
put photographs in oh, that. Oh, so and you did that. So Got I it. added the photographs, but I'm glad you brought it up because I would have forgotten because I wasn't the only person who did that. It was another way to introduce students to primary sources. So now they have photographs that are helping them visualize and imagine our setting, which again is only going to increase comprehension. Yeah. All right, so overall, I think the, the read-alouds have been very um, successful here. I think kids have enjoyed the experience of them and have really, I think they got a deeper dive into the book because of the way in which we've been doing the, the read-alouds. And I know it actually takes us longer sometimes than the six mm-hmm. weeks. Yes. <laughs> because as you said, we're doing it in conjunction with our regular curriculum. This yes. is an extra that we've decided to do. And then the other part of it is now that we've decided to also open it up to our family book night. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about family book night Yay. because our next family book night is coming up. And what book did we choose? Mm-hmm. We chose this yeah. book. Okay. Yes. So it's a sci-fi thriller and... We've never had a sci-fi thriller as our family book night. So that should be exciting. And I feel terrible because I think I'm going to pronounce the author's name wrong. His first name is Scott and I'm pretty sure it's Rankton. And he's coming to visit us. He's coming, yes. Yes. February 20th. So the kids are very excited. Next week. And uh, to tell you a little bit about Nixia, Nixia takes place in the future, like year 2040-ish, and in the future, and I thought this detail was so cool, a company called Babel uh, has actually surpassed Google, and so it's this huge company. We found we found another planet that will sustain life. It's kind of a duplicate of Earth, and they've landed there, and they found a really valuable compound called Nixia, and basically, you can manipulate Nixia to do pretty much anything you want. I kind of thought of it as like a scientific explanation for magic almost, Um, but what they find out they find out that the, the species living on this planet, the, the planet's name is Eden, the Atomites, they're hostile. But through an accident, they realize that the Atomites will not attack children, so they select children to go and mine this uh, element. But then the children are told not all of you will be able to get onto Eden, and you have to fight for your spot. So then it becomes very much like Hunger Games. And you're oh, like, wow. Ah! <laughs> okay. So this should be, you know, sci-fi is something that I think our kids mm-hmm. are really interested in. We just started sci-fi in our curriculum, I believe, as well. Um, when we did read, read, read redid our themes in yes. our curriculum two years ago. Um, so I think our kids are actually are really starting to enjoy. We, um, we have, um, why don't you actually tell us the themes of them? <laughs> Sorry, as I'm... Sure. Yeah. So um, we actually work with big ideas throughout all of our units. And for sci-fi, we're focusing on conflict and change. And you can see how the technology part and the science part would work with the idea of change. And we have generalizations such as change generates more change. Change can... Uh, be a good thing or a bad thing, you know, it can be harmful or positive. So there are all these different generalizations that the students can relate to their own world and experience, and then they can observe these themes within the novel. So it kind of, it gives them yeah. a focus point. And then, of course, we have our essential questions that um, get the kids to think about, for example, how much control the government should have over individuals, when an individual should rebel. So what are some of the other, besides sci-fi, what are some of the other um, big ideas and themes that we... We're across reading. the curriculum? Yeah, across the curriculum. Well, when we started with diverse perspectives, we okay. really focused on relationships and conflict. So you'll notice, too, it's aligned nicely because we start with a big concept, and then we might introduce a second concept, and then the second concept will then transfer over to the next unit. So, for example, when we move on to fantasy, we'll be still taking a look at change, and we're going to add exploration, and then we'll add power, and power will lead into our 
uh, growth and reflection unit. So okay. I think everything's okay. So that is the conclusion of our conversation with Mrs. Plunkett. We had a few technical difficulties there at the end. Um, but that was the main part of our show. We really uh, learned a lot about Reeloud, so we want to thank you for listening. And we're looking forward to some upcoming programming that we have. Our next um, podcast will be with Ms. DeGenera, who is our student assistance counselor. And she'll be talking about vaping. So we hope that you will stay tuned for that next episode coming soon. And if you have any ideas of things that you would like to hear more about, please give us a call. We'd love to have some feedback about these podcasts, if they've been helpful, uh, what you would be interested in hearing more about. Uh, We just want to share information with you. So please uh, reach out to us if there's something that you want to hear. And we just thank you for listening again and uh, come back soon. Take care.